Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 79 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today has big hair, a bigger smile, and she's making a big impact in the women's division here in Ring of Honor. She is the babe with the power, Willow. Willow, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. I'm really excited to be here and to chat. Well, we are excited to have you here. And uh, let's get right to it. I got to congratulate you first off. Big win last week. Uh, You won a triple threat match over Angelina Love and Miranda Alizé. And you will now face the winner of another triple threat match, uh, which will take place on ROH TV next month, between Trisha Dora, Allison Kay, and Mandy Leone. And then the winner of that match, and you, you'll have a match, and uh, the winner of that one goes on to face the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, Roxy, at the final battle pay-per-view on December 11th in Baltimore. So I just have to ask you, how does it feel to be Ah. one win away from a huge championship match at final battle, which is ROH's biggest pay-per-view of the year? I mean, it's... It's the possibility of that happening is obviously very exciting. Like, and the idea that I'm even kind of in the contendership to be the number one contender, like that even being a possibility is like mind blowing. Um, You know, when I stepped into the match with Angelina and Miranda, obviously like there's a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. We had that quest for gold tournament for, to crown the uh, women's champion, And I was unfortunately out first round, but you know me, big smile. I keep trucking, keep my eyes forward, keep working hard um, and just focus on what's next. But like I'm facing the likes of Angelina Love, right? Like a a legend. And, um, And then I'm also wrestling Miranda, someone who was a finalist in the tournament. So they have like the reputation that speaks for themselves walking into the match. I'm the underdog. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for me to kind of catch that win and uh, have the possibility to maybe even face the champion is like big pat on the back to myself and like giant ego boost. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping my momentum won't slow down. <laughs> Well, let, let's, let's, go, let's go with that. Let's say, best case scenario, right? Let's say you do win the next match against whoever it's going to be, whether it's Allison or Trish or Mandy, and you do go to final battle and you do face Roxy for the title. What would it mean to you? I mean, could you put it into words what it would mean to actually become the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion? Oh, wow. Um... I mean, again, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself because there's still a lot of steps to get there. But, (laughs) of course, me, I idealize everything. Um, It would mean, like, so much to me. Um, 
because working for Ring of Honor in general has, has meant so much to me. I uh, have always been like a really big fan of Sarah Del Rey, Mischief, like uh, Daisy Hayes, Serena Deeb, like all of these women who paved that legacy of what great women's wrestling can be and were able to do such in a Ring of Honor ring. Um, so coming from the standpoint of like someone who's always wanted to prove how great women's wrestling can be um, to have the per- to have the opportunity to be that person who is like I am not only um in this group kind of showing what great women's wrestling is but like I am the face of that that would be like that's that's the stuff dreams are made of <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well and I love the fact that you're up on the history you know like there was no women's championship in ring of honor back then but certainly all those names you just mentioned, Sarah Del Rey, Mischief, um, Daisy Hayes, you know, I'll throw cheerleader Melissa in there. I mean, there were so many. Um, That's great that you know that history and sort of the legacy, the foundation that they kind of built for what we have now, which is, um, it's exciting times, I think, for women's wrestling in general, but really uh, in in Ring of Honor, like, I think this is kind of like... um, unprecedented times i think there's there's so much excitement right now about this women's division and this new championship and and certainly you're a you're a big part of that i wanted to mention though um or you mentioned allison k and i wanted to talk about your first round match with her uh, to me that was one of the best matches i think in, in the whole tournament uh it was hard hitting to say the least uh what was it like working with AK. And I got to tell you, I, I cringed at some of those like kicks to the chest. I mean, that, was, <laughs> that looked brutal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was my first time getting to work with her. Um, and she's another person who I really admire and had, you know, when I was just coming up in wrestling had seen uh, blow up. So to get the opportunity to work with her was one intimidating um, in just like any kind of, setting but to going into a tournament against her someone who has a little you know has more of that veteran experience over me um she's also very well trained in brazilian jiu-jitsu so she's coming from it like coming into the match with a professional wrestling knowledge background and a brazilian jiu-jitsu background and um to me, I look at that and I'm like, oh, damn, she's got her stuff together. And that's not to say I don't believe in myself and I don't have my stuff together, but like, that's a very worthy adversary. Um, so walking into it, obviously I was like, I want to win. But at the end of the day, I really wanted to, um, deliver a main event or like a finals caliber match, no matter what the results would be. And hopefully that's what we were able to deliver. Oh, I think for sure. Like I said, I think that was one of the, you know, I'm not slating anyone. There were a lot of great matches, but I think that was one of my personal favorites just because I do like that. It was almost like, you know, strong style. I mean, it was very hard hitting and intense. And, um, you know, and I think, like you said, Allison Kay certainly has a well-deserved reputation for being very good at what she does. And I think it says a lot about you that you were able to stand in there toe to toe with someone like Allison. Um, I, and look, I was going to say this too. We all, we're all our own worst critics, but when you go back and look at that match, I mean, I, you, you have to be pleased with that. I would think. Yeah. Even though, even though you lost, I mean, just the overall performance. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. 
again, results withstanding. Right. I'm, uh, I was one happy that I was able to kind of like hold my own. I think I made a really good impression on the ring of honor fans. Um, there's like so many fans who were completely unfamiliar with me. And, uh, through that match, we're able to be like, Oh, you made an instant fan out of me. And like, that's rewarding, you know? So there's definitely a lot that I can take away from it. And now that I'm in the position where I could possibly be facing her again, it's like, okay, now I can take all that experience and, uh, keep that in mind. And if ever, and whenever, whatever, I have the opportunity to wrestle her again, I have that much more in my back pocket to pull from. Well, I have to be impartial. I I can't root for anyone in that triple threat match, but Maybe secretly, I would love to see Allison win that match. So I could see the two of you go at it again because the first one was uh, was so good. Um, let me ask you though your your overall kind of general thoughts on the women's division in Ring of Honor, uh, the talent that's been brought in, and and just the job that Maria Canellas Bennett really has has done. And uh, you know she's had such a a huge hand in putting this whole thing together. Um, I am. Like, I think I came in at the perfect time. Uh, I had done a seminar uh, or, like, one of those tryout camps for Ring of Honor years ago. And, you know, I made, I made good connections. Like, it was a nice networking opportunity. I definitely learned things from the seminar. Um, but at that time, I don't – obviously, like, I just made my debut, so it didn't work out the way that I had really wanted it to years ago. Um, and you know, in, in our journeys of wrestling, there's so many times we could be like, oh, why aren't I here now? Like, why aren't I doing this now? But I really feel like I was brought into ring of honor at the perfect time. And I am so proud of the work that Maria is doing. I'm proud to be, um, part of whatever era this is in ring of honors, women's wrestling. I'm proud that, um, I am there like under her reign. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, the d- diversity we have um, in, in terms of size, race, um, sexual orientation, gender identity. We even have like Max the Impaler, who's non-binary and kicking ass, also quite frightening. But yes. it's just like, we have so many different like backgrounds in this division right now. And there's so much beauty in that. You know, there's so much... Um, different things you get to see in the ring. There's so many different personalities, so many different ways that people present themselves. And, um, you know, for me, I always felt like I've never seen anyone in the ring like me in terms of my personality, my uh, stature. Um, so at times I feel like I don't belong anywhere and, um, being somewhere where like everyone gets to be celebrated for being who they are like it's just it feels like everything's clicking like the puzzle pieces are all falling into place um maria is doing a fantastic job and she's backing up everything that she says she's doing yeah i think maria is is doing an awesome job and obviously it's and she'll be the first one to say this it's not her alone she's part of a team but certainly she's the face of it and um and she like i said has a huge hand in it uh, I'm so glad you brought up the um, the diversity thing, though, because that's where I was going to go go next. Obviously, we know diversity is is so important, and uh, Maria and others have have done just an uh, outstanding job of, as you said, bringing in a really diverse 
group of athletes. And uh, you touched on this a little bit, but um, obviously, look, we know racism exists. We know body shaming exists. Um, I think you being in the spotlight and, and your positivity and the way you carry yourself, you are making a difference, I believe, in, in the lives of young girls who are watching you. And that's just such an awesome thing. I mean, do you ever, is that something that you think about that, the, you know, the, the positive influence that you're having on people out there? Um, and I'm sure it's something you probably take seriously. Um, yeah. It, so when I first started wrestling, I didn't foresee that becoming a thing. Um, but where I stand today, it's definitely something that I uh, am very proud of and rally behind. Uh, the idea of representing everything that I am and also trying to create a space um, and like make sure that those who are marginalized so that be people of color, women, um, people in the LGBTQ plus community feel like wrestling can have space for them. Um, the first time it really kind of clicked to me that like, oh, me being on this show means a lot me specifically being on the show means a lot to someone in the crowd is during intermission a mother came up to me with her daughter and she was like a mixed race girl um and had like her hair straightened but it's like a, like me looking at her hair I could tell that she naturally has hair like me like very curly like this like giant mane that's like <laughs> if you try to put a brush through it it'll break like and she came up with her daughter and she was like, I just want to let you know that my daughter saw you wrestle today and she wants to start wearing her hair curly. And she, and like, to me, it was such a little thing, but it was like, Oh man, I made a difference in that person's life. Cause I remember being a kid and I was like, well, everybody else has their hair straightened. And like, that's the only way that I could feel pretty. So I'm going to straighten my hair like everyone else. But it's like, no, you have this thing that is so unique to you. It's, um, been handed down to you through your line of ancestry. Like this is so much more than just you and it's beautiful. And she is now owning that at a young age, like 10 or so. Um, and I kind of helped open that box. So that's just like a small example of me helping other people, one, feel comfortable with themselves, but two, like seeing that wrestling isn't just one look or one type of personality like there's so much and um all those differences again are what make it beautiful a absolutely and that, that's such an awesome story and and i know that's only that's one example of someone that you met and and related their story but there's so many others out there that i'm sure you know that maybe they won't ever get the chance to meet you and tell you uh but they're still being influenced by you so that's um th that's really a cool thing and, and and you're right i mean look if we go back I don't know how many years, 10 years, maybe in, in, in professional wrestling, women, you know, especially in the biggest company, it really was kind of cookie cutter and you had to look a certain way, be a certain size, have a certain look, uh, or, or you weren't, you just weren't going to get through the front door and, um, to see where we've come to now, um, you know, maybe sometimes <laughs> progress is slow, uh, but I think we, it, it, I don't know that I ever thought wrestling would actually get to where it is now. Maybe I had a negative view. I don't know, but I never thought we'd really see women's wrestling, um, on the platform and, and being presented the way it is now, which is, you know, it's long overdue, but Hey, we, it, it got there at some point. Right. So that's, a, that's yeah. A um, 
again, I know I touched on it for like a little bit, but I all like when I started wrestling, the reason I was able to think that I could be anything in this industry is because of the women that I saw in the independence, you know, like what I was seeing on TV as a kid never reflected who I was. And, um, being able to see women who are different sizes, shapes, uh, races, whatever. Um, that is what made me be like, oh yeah, I can do this and I could be a good wrestler. I still didn't even think bigger than that to think like, oh, I could be like a star within this. I, I just thought like, oh, there's a place for me somewhere. And um, now the landscape is so different that it's like, I have all these opportunities in front of me. They're like, the really the only limit that on me is on me is the one that I set for myself. And I definitely did not see that being the case when I first started. And that was only in like 2014 was when I started training. And that's, you know, as much as it feels like a really long journey for me personally, it's not that long time ago in the grand scheme of things. Well, quick story I'll share with you. Um, So I was a writer at WWE. I'm not sure if you knew that. I was a writer uh, about 10 years ago. I spent three years uh, writing for WWE. And when I was there, um, I wasn't the only one, but me and, you know, a few others, we would constantly try to push for the women being in people like Natalia and Beth mm-hmm. to like, let them go out there and re- like the girls who really could wrestle, like let them go out there and, and do it. And, um, you know, instead we were, you know, somebody came up with the idea that wouldn't it be funny if, you know, Natalia did a farting gimmick, you know, like that was where we were at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'll never forget. And, you know, I've told this story before, but, um, you know, we would present these things of, of like, you know, women's programs involving Natalia that were, you know, more wrestling based the same way you would present them for the men. And, um, I'll never forget it. Vince said straight out, Vince McMahon said, um, no, our audience doesn't want to see the girls fight like the guys. Mm. I was like, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, now after I left is kind of when the women's revolution started. So obviously that thinking changed, but, um, you know, it was just, that's where we were less than a decade ago. So, you know, to see where we've come, you know, that's, that's good. We're heading, definitely heading in the right direction. You mentioned that seminar though, uh, the women of honor seminar, um, (laughs) which that was the one that was a joint venture with stardom, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay, right. I remember that. The thing was, I think we said at least one woman was um, going to be picked to do a um, a tour of Japan wrestling for stardom. Uh, what was that experience actually like there? As you said, you were pretty green. I guess you were maybe only a year or so into your training. Um, what do you remember from that experience? What kind of feedback did you get? Because I know that's a big part of it is the RRH staff and the, the uh, stardom staff, like they'll, they'll um, evaluate you. So like, what kind of feedback did you get? Yeah. So, um, I remember I had actually just come back from knee surgery and I wasn't sure that I was ready to do the seminar. <laughs> Cause I was like, Oh man, you know, like I've only been back for a couple months and again, I'm still fairly green. So I was like, I don't even know what I would have to present to them. Uh, I had a lot of encouragement. I was like, you know what? It doesn't hurt. Like what's going to happen. The worst thing is they're going to tell you no. And that you're definitely not going to go anywhere if you don't do it at all. So what's the worst that happens? Um, and I remember like, uh, 
just being nervous the whole time generally, but, um, like I had to do a match, like a quick little match, um, as a heel. And then, you know, they gave me like feedback. I'm like, Oh, well this could be like, you know, like your ring positioning could be better. Like this could be better. And I was like, Oh, okay. Thank you. But like, I, as much as I try, like, I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> it's I, I wanted to be a heel so bad when I first started wrestling and it's just so like inorganic to me um and then we did some other drills and then like we did another match at the end of the day and everybody would like switch whatever role they were in so now I was portraying a face and then when I was done with that match I remember Delirious was like oh man like that's it like you're you're a face like <laughs> <laughs> it was like oh man like like that was like night and day. Um, so that was like the bit, like a thing that stuck into my head about it. But I do remember things like, Oh, my intensity needs to be here. Like my timing could be polished and, um, things from a more like technical standpoint. Um, but I did also learn a little bit about networking there. I was able to, um, come down and train at the ring of honor dojo, which is now, um, CB, the world famous CB's worldwide wrestling dojo. Um, right. I was able to kind of make that connection, train there a couple times. I had gone to a Ring of Honor show uh, and to help like set up and be backstage um, and just kind of see how everything operates. Um, and again, that connection that I made, that networking connection that I made all those years ago, kind of came back into play within the past year or so. And I was like, mm, I think they're trying to build their women's division again. And I think I'm ready this time. So let me just reach out. And, um, it, again, perfect timing. I think <laughs> it, it's like, Oh, of course, this is how it was supposed to happen. I just didn't see it at the time, but I, um, you know, all those little like tweaking things. I remember intensity being one of them. And I definitely think that's something I dialed into within the past couple of years. So yeah, absolutely. Well, those seminars definitely are, I think, beneficial for, you know, the reasons that, that you said. I mean, and, and I could tell you, the, the people who have been to those seminars or the tryout camps, whatever you want to call them, who were told, um, no, not right now, basically, uh, mm -hmm. later, uh, some of those people are stars <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, I won't, you know, name names necessarily, but you know, it's just getting there. And like you said, getting before these people and letting them see you, letting them evaluate you, tell you what you need to work on, the networking thing. It's all, it's all so important. And, and clearly you made an impression on Delirious. And like you said, that was 2017. And, and here you are in, you know, 2021. Now you're in, now you're one of the leading uh, competitors in, in Ring of Honor's you know, women's division. Um, now I don't know how you understood what Delirious was saying. I guess somebody had to translate for you, but yeah, I know there was like a lot of other people there. Will Ferraro was there. He's yeah, he understands. You know, he's he's yeah. more in tune. Yeah, he, understand, <laughs> he, he understands Delirious speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, as we said, the person, uh, at least one person, was supposed to you know go to Japan for that uh, yes. at a seminar. Um, you know, you, you have not wrestled in Japan yet to this point, have you? 
No, I have not. And it <laughs> hurts me so much. <laughs> I was going to ask you, if, but I guess by your reaction, I was going to say, is that still a goal of yours? So I guess Absolutely. the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I remember I was really bummed out because I was like, oh, man. Like, again, I didn't have, like, the highest expectations walking into the seminar because I did not feel like I was at my best. But, um, you know, I'm a hopeful person. I'm always going to hold out for hope that something could happen. Um, so I was a little bummed out about that. But Gabby Ortiz um, did have the opportunity to go over. And Gabby is someone who I, like, cheer for so much. Um, like, I, I think she's an awesome human being. And uh, knowing that somebody that I liked was going kind of helps the blow a little bit. <laughs> I was like, yes. oh, okay. Well, at least she can have a great time there. <laughs> yeah, and I will, I will second that. Gabby is, Gabby is a great person. We've seen her, obviously, compete in Ring of Honor. Uh, we've seen her on the Indies uh, plenty of times. Seen her with LSG. Uh, yeah, Gabby, Gabby's awesome. And I didn't realize she was the one who actually – I was going to ask who, who did end up going to Japan. I wasn't sure. Yeah, and um, at the time, again, she was also pretty green. Yeah. So they were kind of like, oh, we want to help train and mold you. And um, I was speaking with her pretty recently, actually. And she is really hit a, like a stride. And like I've seen so much growth in her um, in ring. So I just want to take a moment to shout out Gabby. No hard feelings about her getting picked to go to <laughs> Japan. I think she's great. Like I said, I'm cheering for her. I'm rooting for her. And I just want to see her flourish. No hard feelings. Huh? <laughs> or maybe that would set up a great angle, right? Gabby comes back and, and like, uh, then you sneak attack her and be like, that's for 2017. <laughs> but like you said, you, you probably can't, you, you probably can't be a heel. It's just not, it's not in your DNA. At least uh, I mean, maybe yeah, not more. now. We'll see. <laughs> this rest, this wrestling business beats you up. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes. All right, well, we're going to take our first break. We're just getting started here. We'll be back with more with Willow right after this. It's been fun playing wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals, the body-slamming, drop-kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. Help put a buckle! Jay Trevor! She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com. All right, we are back in the ROH Strong Podcast with Willow. Uh, let, let's go back. Let's go back to the early days. Let's, go, let's tell Willow's origin story. Uh, okay. How old were you when you became a wrestling fan? Uh, I was probably around eight or nine. I actually got into wrestling because my cousins that I used to hang out with all the time as a kid, uh, they were wrestling fans and they would always play the video games uh, whenever I would visit. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll play these video games with you. And then it kind of gets got to the point where, like, every time I would come over to my cousin's house, I'd be like, so we're playing that wrestling video game, right? Like, yeah. And I would get super into the game. And then I was like, why am I not just watching this? <laughs> so then I started watching it. And then I became, like, a way bigger fan than the two of them. And I just fell in love pretty much immediately. I was like, from that time, like, I knew I wanted to be a wrestler. Um, 
you know, as you grow up, like I kind of had my ins and out where I was like, oh, I'm not so into it now. And now I am. But then, you know, I fell hard again. And then I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take the leap and be a wrestler. <laughs> so how old were you when you actually decided to take that leap? Um, I was 19 when I finally decided that I wanted to start training somewhere. Um, but it wasn't in, for like another year until I actually did it. I was at college when I fell back in love. Um, like some girl in my dorm room wanted to um, order WrestleMania. And she was like, oh, well, I don't really want to pay for it. This is before the network. So she was like, I don't want to pay for the whole thing by myself. So if anybody wanted to watch it with me uh, and split the cost, that would be great. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch it with you. And uh, yeah, I, I was like, okay, cool. I'm hooked again. Uh, I want to do this. Like, how do I do this? And uh, that's when I found NYWC. I had gone to like a couple shows, checked it out. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of had a lot going on in life. So it took me a year before I could actually start training. Um, and then once I did start training, I never really looked at it as like, oh, I'm just going to try this thing. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It was like, okay, cool. Um, all my idols, like all the people I look up into wrestling in wrestling, uh, like completely dedicated their lives to it. And that starts now, like I'm going to start training and I, there's no looking back. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to become a professional wrestler. And, uh, here we are seven years later. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in college at the time, right? You said when, when you made that decision? Well, I was, I, I was going to school at Northeastern university um, I was undeclared, so I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then after my first year, I couldn't afford going to school. Like, um, so I really was like forced to drop out because of financial hardship. And, you know, getting back to school is something I might want to do in the future. Well, not even might. I think it's something I want to do in the future. Um, but it just like didn't work out for me. And I, again it was a year before I finally signed up for wrestling. But like in that time, I was just kind of like went through this really low phase where I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I don't like, I need something feasible to do. Cause you know, everyone's always like, Oh, if you're going to become a wrestler, get a backup plan. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't have a backup plan. Uh, Cause you know, school fell through. Um, so after I kind of like pulled myself out of that, that stage that I was in, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm doing this. Um, so I didn't like drop out of school to be a wrestler. It was more like I dropped out of school because of other factors in life. And then wrestling fell into my lap. And it's really kind of like, isn't life funny how things work out? Like <laughs> if I didn't have to drop out, I don't know if I would have actually ever pulled the trigger and started training. Yep. Um, so it's cool. I've, I've made peace with that. What was your uh, family's reaction? Because obviously pro wrestling is kind of a crazy business and you're in there uh, beating your body up. How, how did they feel about this decision to, to become a pro wrestler? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> it's been like a, a roller coaster because, you know, I, I told my mom when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to become a pro wrestler. And she's like, sure you will, honey. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> And then I, you know, I had that period where I really wasn't watching it regularly. Like there, I would still tune in from time to time, but I wasn't like a religious, like I got to watch this every week. Um, so my mom was like, oh, she outgrew it or whatever. 
And then when I fell back in love with it, I told her I wanted to be a wrestler. Um, she and my dad were like, no, like, <laughs> you can't do this. Like, not really. And the big, a big thing for them was because I did, like, I did go to school. I was a very academic kid. I was a nerd. So they were like, you have a brain. Like, why would you want to become a wrestler? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, school didn't work out. So, <laughs> and um, I took, the tra- like, like, I was like, I'm going to just do it myself. I'm going to pay for my training. I'm going to take the train to the school. I'd, like, ride my bike to the train station, like, ride my bike from the train station to the school. And, like, I made it all work. So really at that point, my parents didn't even have a say and they came around to it. Like once they started coming to shows and I got to tell them more about like, oh, well, you know, it's not just what you think it is. Like there's so much more to it. And they really grew for like an appreciation of what I do and seeing that I was even kind of from the beginning, um, taking to it very naturally. And, um, my trainers had lovely things to say. So I think that comforted them a little bit that I wouldn't like go out there and like fall flat on my face. Right. Um, that they were like, oh, okay, she, she knows what she's doing. Um, so through kind of seeing me succeed a little bit, they've really been super supportive. Um, and my dad, he's very like adventurous. He's a daredevil. So like he feels like I'm living the dream you know (laughs) he thinks it's the coolest now so did you have an athletic background before I mean did you play sports in school or anything um so I don't think I ever recognized that I was naturally athletic um when I was in high school I was on the track team I threw like shot put and discus um I was on the tennis team and those were things I really I had gotten into them because I was always self-conscious about my weight like I always felt too big um especially growing up in like the era that really um idolized like the skinny skinny frames like the Nicole Richie like Paris Hilton Lindsay Lohan like that's all I saw when I was a kid so not looking like that I was like oh I'm fat (laughs) so that's why I had gotten into sports in high school and I did take pretty naturally to it um my mother was a like a sprinter. Um, she's from Guyana in South America and she was like really good at it. Like in high school, she was like one of the top runners in the country. Um, my dad, he's always really been into cycling, rock climbing, fitness. So he's also very like physical and like an active person. And it didn't really click until I became a wrestler and people were like, Oh, you get this really quickly and you get this really quickly. They're like, you're naturally athletic. I was like, oh, I just never put that together because I always thought I was fat. So I never, <laughs> I never realized like, oh yeah, like I'm also strong and agile. And like, there are all these really great things that my body can do. Um, and just because I don't look a certain way that one person tells me I need to, doesn't mean that I'm like useless. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've recognized my athleticism through wrestling, even though it was always there uh, genetically. Yeah, I was going to say, you definitely got the genes <laughs> based on what your parents, what you tell me about your parents. You got the good genes, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's talk about um, developing your persona. We, we touched on it a little bit earlier where at the seminar you, you, had, to, you had to portray a heel. You, it didn't, didn't really work. You were much more a natural baby face. Uh, but, you know, there are all kinds of, you know, baby, yes, there are baby faces and heels, but then there are variations of those two uh, categories. How did you uh, come about developing the, the Willow persona and the look 
and the attitude and everything else? Was it a gradual kind of process or how did that work? Um, uh, so again, I had wanted to be a heel when I first started wrestling because it was so much the opposite of who I was. And I always really liked the theatricality of wrestling and I wanted to like just throw myself into this other person. Um, and my first couple matches were as a heel and, you know, no matter what, your first couple matches are not going to be like great, <laughs> but it just, it really felt like, Oh, I'm just faking this. Like, this is me just pretending to be someone. And, um, slowly like people were like okay maybe we'll try this and you could be a face and again at first it kind of felt like I was faking it but then uh somebody gave me this very key piece of advice um if people see you having fun they will also have fun like they enjoy watching wrestlers have fun and then I was like you're right like I have fun at training why am I not doing that when I go out in front of a crowd and so then slowly but surely I started adding like pieces of who I actually am like um when I'm not Willow so uh that took off like people responded to that to that like authenticity so you may have heard people say like oh the best wrestling characters are just yourself turned up to 11 so I was like okay cool I'm gonna take all my quirks all my weird idiosyncrasies like all the things that I was always like I'm a weird kid <laughs> and I'm just gonna throw it out there and see how people respond to it. And um, that's when people kind of were like, oh, yeah, you're onto something, kid. Keep going with that. Um, and it's just like trial and error of like, okay, this is a piece of myself that I like. What do people think of this? Okay, maybe that part didn't work. I'm going to take that back. I'll workshop it or I'll throw it out the window. And um, I really just had the, the most luck um, trying to be as authentic to myself as possible. And, um, again, embracing all my own quirks and fortunately people seem to like it. <laughs> yes. Yes. They do seem to like it. Caprice Coleman. <laughs> I feel have, have you listened to Caprice's commentary on your matches? Yes. And I also see the way his face lights up when I like run into <laughs> him in a hallway and I'm like, Oh my God, it's such a pleasure to see you. Oh, and that's genuine. <laughs> I can tell you yeah. I know Caprice pretty well. That is absolutely genuine. So what a sweetheart. Yeah, Caprice is the best, but I, I think I enjoy, uh, as much as I enjoy watching you perform, I enjoy watching Caprice watch you perform. <laughs> Just because he, like you said, if, if you see, if they see you having fun, they'll have, I see Caprice having fun and it makes it, awesome. yeah, it, makes it a fun experience. Um, I could see though, too, like as far as you being portrayed as a heel uh, early on, because I guess there's a natural instinct of like, okay, you're probably going to have a size advantage over most of the oh, yeah. more with. So like, Oh, it's like the first thing is okay. Monster heel. Um, but you know, like you said, that doesn't always fit, you know, for everybody. And, um, and, and yeah, clearly I think it's like a square peg in a round hole trying to get you to be something you're not. Although I will say this as someone who has been a heel manager on the indie scene, um, being heels a lot of fun. I mean, it really, <laughs> you could just go out there and just be the biggest jerk in the world and say anything you want to people. And I don't know, there's something uh, cathartic about it. I think to just be so different than what your normal personality is. It's like you get it out of your system. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, um, 
like the movie The Purge, where like you have that one day of yeah. the year where you could just do all the terrible things. Exactly. That's like that's kind of part of humanity. Is like there's so much duality to being a human. There's always good and bad, and like the light and the dark. So um, to be a human, just living in the world and carrying around the weight of everything that humans go through, it's nice to be able to just let it all go and be like, ah, I hate you. You hate me. Like. Right. You know, it's, again, cathartic, like you said. So let me ask you this question about, um, this also goes back to your persona. So I think there's a fine line sometimes in wrestling between um, being entertaining and like comedy wrestling. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if this is something that you've, you've kind of come across, but um, comedy wrestling has its place, but I think it's sort of, it can have a stigma too for performers because it could be limiting. And a lot of times if you're a comedy wrestler, it's like, okay, that's great. You have a spot on the card, but you're not going to be in the main event necessarily. So Mm -hmm. for a character like Willow, who is entertaining and has a big smile and and dances to the ring. And um, is it something you've had to be cognizant of? Like, yeah, I want to really entertain the fans and be happy and get them, you know, smile and get them with me, but I don't want them to think of me as a joke. Absolutely. Um, Again, there was that period in the first couple of years where I was kind of starting to realize like, okay, me being like bright and happy and just letting out all the like positivity is what people connect with. So let me really dial into this. Um, And I had actually tried to go more of like a comedy route. Um, Chalk Taylor is actually one of my favorite wrestlers. And like, I would see a lot of the stuff that he did. And I was just like, ah, I, I like, I want to be able to connect people in that way. Um, but I don't think I'm actually funny. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I, um, was like, Oh, people aren't laughing at me, uh, or rather laughing with me. They just think that it's like cute, like, Oh, she's cute. And it was kind of patronizing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, Oh, that's not the reaction that I want at all. Like I have set out to be a woman's wrestler who can wrestle like I don't want people to patronize me so I was like if people are gonna be like oh she's cute I'm gonna be like oh yeah I'm freaking cute but I'll also like tear your head off if you cross me (laughs) um so again it took me a while to really figure out how to portray that but um that's definitely been a concern of crossing too far into like um being a parody of myself of being like ha 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 I'm just here to make everyone laugh like no I'd rather be the person who's like yes I'll make you smile but that's because life is so hard and I also wear all of my struggles on my sleeve and I'm able to persevere um and I think that's a very important distinction of what my character is and how I present myself it's like yes I will keep fighting I will keep working hard um and I will do it with a smile on my face. Not like I'm idiotic and naive to the harshness that surrounds us all. Um, and I so, somehow it, it seems like I can get that across, I hope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I'll go back to the match with Allison Kay again. It's um, anybody who thinks that you're, you know, haha in comedy is like, go watch that match because it's intense and hard hitting. And they're, you know, it's entertaining, but it's not funny. You know, there's nothing funny about it. Um, so that's a great example, I think, right there of, of being able to kind of balance, um, you know, being a- entertaining is such a, a broad term anyway. Um, I mean, even no nonsense 
wrestlers or, you know, whatever, like they have to be entertaining too. It's just a different way mm-hmm. of entertaining people. Like everything has to be entertaining or nobody's going to watch. So there's, you know, there's different ways, but I'll give you an example of a guy who I think really uh, pulls off being a badass and, and like showing us his true personality. And that's Josh Woods. And yeah, Josh, um, like I've known uh, Josh since he, he came in and obviously he has that badass MMA background, legit college athlete. And I think everyone I think was like, okay, well, he's got to be um, Brock Lesnar. He's got to be, uh, you know, Kurt Angle when Kurt was, you know, playing a serious, more serious badass, not the, not the, the, the guy with the little cowboy hat singing. <laughs> um, and it, it, like that, I mean, you know, Josh, I'm sure you've been around him. Like, that's not Josh's, per- he's not that guy. Josh yeah. is very happy-go-lucky. He's got a goofy sense of humor. And I feel like we kept trying to like make Josh into something that is just not his personality. And he, like, we finally, like, okay, I think this thing with Silas doing two guys, one tag really brought out his real personality. And so we were able to show, like, yeah, this is the real Josh Woods. This is his real personality. Oh, but when the bell rings, he'll break your ankle. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think he, like, he's the guy that shows, like, that, you know, which is exactly what I think you're doing. It's like, yeah, I'm fun. I'm entertaining. I'll smile at you, uh, all that. But, like, um, once the bell rings, you know, like, I can win. So I think that's, I think you've, 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 you've found that balance. Um, I want to ask you about your name though. This is something I've, I've noticed. Sure. Uh, if we can talk about, I don't know. Is there some trade? I don't know if this is a trade. I don't know if I'm supposed to bring this up or not. I, I don't know. We might have to get this cleared. We I might have to get this cut. <laughs> but I've noticed that you've been Willow Nightingale all over, all over the Indies, but you're not Nightingale in Ring of Honor. It, is that? Um, honestly, I, um, when I first started wrestling, I really liked the name Willow. Um, I am a very like in tune with nature kind of person. Um, so I really drew a lot of inspiration from nature names, which is how I got Willow, Willow, like the tree and Nightingale, like the bird. Um, so I was like, oh yeah. And I really like the way these sound together. And that's how, how I had come up with the name. Um, I did not really want to be just Willow when I first started um, because of Jeff Hardy um, Mm -hmm. and his character, Willow the Wisp. And I was like, I don't know if I'm just Willow. People are going to be like, oh, like Jeff Hardy. And I was like, no, me, Willow. But I do love the idea of having one name like Cher or like Madonna. So, um, So when I came to do my first like, Set, um, set of tapings with Ring of Honor, they told me, they were like, so we're really thinking of just using you as, as Willow. Um, and I was like, sure, no problem. Like, I can do that. Um, I, 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 I want to know the reason. I wasn't given a reason, uh-huh. but I was kind of okay with it because I felt like, and I hope this doesn't come across as like arrogant or anything, but I kind of felt like, okay, I think that at this point, I at least have enough of, um, I've established myself enough where if people hear Willow, they will think of me, Yes. especially in a women's division, you know, and they, they could just hear that name and think, oh, that, that's Willow Nightingale or, you know, the curly haired freak lady who <laughs> has a giant smile. Like, <laughs> um, so when they told me, I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. I can roll with that. I could be Cher, Madonna, um, 
one name legend. <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally love. I I get that. Like, I like the one name thing personally. I think yeah, it does make make you stand out. And um, yeah, if you've got one name, I don't know. There's just immediately something cool about a person who just has one name. I think Sharon Madonna. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, who can argue with that? Right? <laughs> I think there's a good track record there. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this goes along with your whole kind of presentation, your persona, everything we've been discussing, is uh, your gear. I heard you say in another interview that you make your own gear. Is that correct? This is true. I do. Um, I had gotten very quickly tired of waiting for gear makers. And this is not a shot at gear makers because I've tried like taking on orders for other people since I've learned. And it's, it's mind boggling to put together an outfit for someone. But I, I was just like, I can't wait. I know what I want. I need the instant gratification and I'm a crafty person. So I was like, I think I could do this. Um, and I had just watched a lot of YouTube videos. I had read a few articles from like cosplayers, um, because they work with spandex and a lot of like beginner, uh, sewing stuff is about different materials. Um, but obviously for wrestling, we need spandex, something that can stretch and move with us. So I, um, jumped straight in and I was like, all right, I'm going to try and make a set of gear. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, but like I had done pretty well, I think I, it, I made like this, um, hot pink and lime green one piece with like a little heart in the middle. Um, it's still pretty similar to the gear, like shape and style that I have now. I've obviously gotten better. Um, so I've learned like, oh, this would be cooler or this would look more polished if I did this. Um, but it was, it was something that I just kind of learned how to do out of frustration. And I took to that pretty naturally. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at with, with sewing right now. And I don't really make gear for other people other than my boyfriend because he's in-house. I could just be like, hey, try this on. If it doesn't fit. I could fix it. But like, if I make gear for someone and send it out, it doesn't fit. I'm like, Oh no, I ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have a great appreciation for anybody who can uh, make their own stuff like that. I mean, I remember uh, I took a sewing class back in junior high, you know, old home economics back in the day. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty hard for me. I knew that making anything uh, like that was not in my, in my future. So I, (laughs) but Hey man, that, that, that's wrestling, right? Is is so much of it is DIY, and uh, yep. And I'm sure it saves you a lot of you know, like a lot of money. Oh yeah, it's not cheap. Especially like the more the more um, that I'm put in like higher profile positions where I really have to look more polished and like my gear has to um, kind of reach that standard. I'm like, okay, now I need to make sure I have all these rhinestones. I have to make sure this that I'm using this kind of material and like the the cost of materials is going up, but the amount of time that I'm putting into them too is also going up. So I don't really know how much it costs to get gear done at like at this rate, but I imagine that the pieces that I'm making for myself would be like a really pretty penny (laughs) if I had like, you know, asked someone else to do them. Uh, So it's definitely nice to be thrifty in that sense. Yes. Always good. Always good to be thrifty in in this business or any other. That's for sure. True. Yeah. (laughs) 
maybe you'll be like Mick Foley, you know, like Mick uh, became a millionaire and still would stay in like the cheapest hotels. And, you know, I don't yeah. Mick's, Mick's reputation I, of, of never spending money. I have. I know I've mentioned that like this person's my favorite wrestler, this person's my favorite wrestler, but Mick Foley is actually my all time favorite wrestler. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, again, like kind of like um, a, a bigger person from Long Island. Uh, also has a pretty goofy personality and was able to thrive based off of um, how intense and like hard they can go in the ring, but also like have that shining personality. So a very big inspiration um, on me. Uh, And also, yeah, I would like to live that life where I have lots of money and still am able to like live like, you know, like I don't want to say simple, but like a thrifty life where I can have, I can, Keep holding on to that much money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take our next break, and we got more to talk about with Willow right after this. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand-new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. We are talking with Willow. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about... Um, your knee surgery, which you talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, what was the specific injury that, that required the surgery? Oh, okay. So I had completely like torn my meniscus in my left knee, as well as like sprained my ACL and I think it was my PCL or MCL. I don't know. I, um, those, those two, the sprains, like, would have been fine on their own. Like, I could have just, like, healed them up. But my torn meniscus was really an issue. And at the time, I think I was, like, 22. Um, so when I went to the doctor uh, to get it checked out, I thought it would be the kind of thing where they're like, okay, just take a month off, rest, and then you can get back to it. Um, they were like, yeah, because you're so young, like, there's no way that we would let you not get surgery (laughs) they're like if you don't deal with this now like you are gonna have to like struggle for the rest of your life with it Mm -hmm. and it seems like you're really early in your career and you really love this so if you can nip this in the bud right now you've you've got pretty good chances of like having good knees moving forward um but if you just kind of keep trucking through it you're gonna be screwed and uh i remember like crying in the office being like I don't want to take time off why can't I just whatever and my mom was like there's no way you're not taking care of this um so that was like my first time spending time away from wrestling since I started it and this was I was probably like a year maybe almost two years in so I really I had like a little momentum but like I didn't have any real big commitments where I was like, this company has me in this storyline or like, if I miss this, like I'm going to, it was not like looking back now, it's great that I did take that time away because at that point I just like wrestling was my identity. Like since I started it, that was like all that I was, that's all that I did. And taking that time away, like at first I was like, I don't know who I am. 
was just crazy um, to not have had any kind of really outside life. And um, it made me kind of be like, okay, there's other things in life to focus on um, and still be excited about wrestling. So it helped like put a little more um, fuel to the fire that I had, but it also kind of grounded me into the rest of my life and like the rest of the human experience aside of just, you know, curling my body at people. <laughs> well, that's great. It's one of those other, you know, obviously nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to go through surgery, but it, it, it seems, it does seem like one of those things, the way you described it as like um, you turned a negative into a positive in a sense, because you, you learned, as you said, you learned uh, about more of who you are and that there's, you know, things beyond wrestling. And um, that was probably a good lesson to learn at that point. Uh, let's fast forward a little bit, though, to another serious injury. And I know you've, you've talked about it um, on TV. It's been mentioned that you suffered a broken neck uh, in 2019, I think it was, right? Yeah. So uh... <laughs> did you know, like, when it happened right away, like, oh, man, like, I'm, I'm really hurt? Or, um, and I guess you had to finish the match, right? So... I just walk me through like that whole that whole experience. All right, so this is this is a big story. <laughs> <laughs> so um, again, this came at another point in my life where I felt like I was getting I was gaining momentum, and this time around it was a little a little bit higher. You know, it was higher profile than what I was doing before. I had more of a name for myself, um, so it hurt a little bit more, but the actual instance, um, was I had a match. I took a, like a suplex, uh, pretty early on. I would say maybe like three-ish minutes in and I still had like maybe eight, nine minutes left ahead of me. Um, but I remember I like scorpion myself essentially. Like I just like big, and my first thought was like, am I concussed? Because my head hurt so much, uh, so much from like hitting the mat. I was like, am I concussed? And then I was like, okay, I know where I am. I know what time it is. Like, I know what's happening in my match. Like, I'm aware of my surroundings. The referee asks me if I'm okay. And I'm like, yeah. And I really don't think much more of it. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I think I'm fine. I, at, at this point in the match, I'm like, I think I'm fine. Um, and then we finished the match. Oh, great. Cool. Um, and I'm like, you know, my neck like hurts a little bit. I don't, again, I'm not thinking much of it. I'm like, my neck kind of hurts a little bit, but I was like the first match of the whole show. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to, I'm going to have a beer, <laughs> watch the rest of the shows, cheer on my friends. Cool. And then it was like a four hour drive home and I get home. It's at the end of like this really long weekend. I had wrestled. Uh, I think five match, five matches that weekend. Like I traveled, drove to Canada and back and I drove to here and back. And like, so it was a, like a lot of things happened. And this was the last match of that weekend. So I didn't think anything like, Oh, it happened specifically here or this or that or whatever. I just felt like generally drained and exhausted and tired. And like, I went to, to lay down in bed and like my head felt heavy, but again, not thinking much of it. I'm just like, I'm so beat up from everything. I wake up the next morning, I have tingles in my arm, in my left arm, 
And I'm like, oh, no, this isn't good. Like, this is not good. Um, so I call my job. I'm a piercer outside of wrestling. I call my job. I'm like, hey, guys, I think I'm going to be late today. I have to go to the doctors and get checked up. Um, I just wanted to give you a heads up, but I should be in later. And I'm like, hey, mom, I think I'm hurt. I don't know what's going on, but like, this is, I've got this weird like nerve thing going on and I want to get it checked out. So we go to urgent care. <laughs> I go see urgent care. They're like, yeah, we can't do anything for you. You have to go to the emergency room. So I'm like, okay, go to the emergency room. And, uh, I wait for whatever amount of time. They call me back. They do some scans. The moment they get my scan results back, they start putting the neck brace on me. And at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, that's it. I broke my neck, didn't I? And yeah, so they tell me that. You know, you broke your neck. You have three columns in your neck. You tore two out of the three columns. There's widening between your C6 and your C7. Um, you have a herniated, you know, whatever. Like all the stuff. They're like, if you had torn this other column, you could be paralyzed. But luckily it's not. So you have to get neck surgery. And I was just like, huh, that's funny. Like, the first, like, with my knee surgery, like, I just broke down and I cried when they told me I needed surgery. This one, it was just, like, so surreal. It was like, cool. I could almost be paralyzed. I'm not. Uh, that's, that's really cool. Um, I have to take care of this. Um, I might not, like, honestly, at that time, when they told me that, I was like, there's a very strong possibility I'm never going to wrestle again. Like, it was just, everything was so surreal that I didn't, like, I didn't even feel upset. I was just like, cool. Like, I just have to take care of this. I was like very calm about the whole thing. Um, and it's funny because like everyone around me is crying this time. It was like such the opposite. Um, you know, I've got my family coming. My boyfriend Rex Lawless is coming. He's like, everyone's just crying. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't worry, guys. It's going to be okay. They're going to fix me. Um, who knows? Maybe it was like whatever, you know, medication they gave me. But I was... <laughs> I was like super fine the whole time. Uh, and then, yeah. And then I was in a neck brace for a couple months. And at that point, like at that point, my parents were like, you're not going back to wrestling. Yeah. They did. They, yeah. That, that was like the straw for them. Um, but my doctor was like, okay, again, I didn't bring up this part yet, but like, I thought this whole time I was like, I'm never going to be able to rest again. As I am getting ready to go into surgery, my doctor tells me, like, no, you will be able to wrestle again. I've done this surgery on people who've gone on to win um, Super Bowls, so you will be fine. If they can go back to playing football, you can go back to wrestling. I was like, I can wrestle again? So that was the last news I got right before going into surgery. So, again, like, coming out of surgery, I was like, everything is roses. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave me the okay. Um, yeah. And then it was like, again, a hard couple months because I'm away from the thing that I love, but it wasn't actually as physically hard as my knee surgery. Cause with a knee surgery, you have to put your weight down on the hurt area all the time with a neck injury. The only thing it's just like supporting is my head. So it doesn't, it's not really like in pain. Um, I remember like going to the gym with my neck brace once I got cleared and like, I could only do like really lightweight. Like they're like, you can't, you can't lift more than 40 pounds. So I was like, okay, I don't care. I'm going to go. This is so great. I get to move. And like, I'm walking there and like my neck brace, everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I was just like, I don't care. I was so happy. Like, <laughs> okay. 
Um, and yeah, I like coming back was great because as much as I was worried that I wasn't wrestling at the caliber I was when I had got hurt, um, the fans were so like accepting and just happy to see me uh, that even though my work might not have been as polished or as refined as I would have liked it to be. Like everyone was just so happy that one, I was okay. And two, that I'd be able to do this again. So um, it was a very welcoming atmosphere to come back to. So a couple of questions. Um, You mentioned your parents at that point saying, okay, like you tried it, like you broke your neck. You're like, it's almost like to, to use a funny analogy for a serious situation it reminds me of like, uh, are you familiar with the movie A Christmas Story? Yes. It's like, you know, your parents telling the kid he's going to shoot his eye out if he gets the, the, the BB gun, right? The rifle. Yeah. Dry out, kid. And then <laughs> eye out, right? It's like when you, oh, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. You're going to break your neck doing that stuff. And then you break your neck. So I could Literally say, something my mother had said before. Yes, when I first started go. wrestling. <laughs> So I could see, and, and being a parent myself, I could see, you know, I have two daughters. I could immediately be like, okay, that's it. Like, you're done. You tried it. You, you, you were almost paralyzed. Um, you know, that, that, that's a word you never want to hear, <laughs> you know, like you could have been paralyzed. Um, I think myself, if I had dodged a bullet like that, I don't know that I would have had the courage or whatever word you want to use to then go back and do the thing that nearly paralyzed me. Uh, was there, was as you were recovering, um, now you, you're, you said your doctor told you before surgery, Hey, you can be fixed and you can go back and do this. But just mentally as someone who has sustained this injury and realized it could have been catastrophic, was there part of you saying like, man, I don't know, like this isn't worth it. Like why I, I think I should go do something else where I don't break my neck. Or like, I mean, were those, was that going through your mind during the recovery stage? Uh, of course. Um, I feel like wrestling in general, because of how much you have to sacrifice and don't always see the benefits in return, like with anyone, it's natural to have that thought, like, is it worth it? Like, why am I even doing this? Um, and after going through such a traumatic incident, it was that much more amplified to be like, are you dumb? Like, why, <laughs> why would you go back? Um, and there were a lot of times where I was very seriously like, okay, this is cool. I'm just going to like be a normal person and live a normal life and not wrestle anymore. But there, I don't really know how to explain it other than there's like this little voice at the back of my head. That's like, no, like you have to, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, I don't know if like I'm sick, (laughs) like if all wrestlers have this crazy disease, that's like, you got to keep doing it. Um, But there's definitely a voice in the back of my head that's like, no, you did this. And there's also a really big piece of me that's like, okay, I I did this thing and I broke my neck, but like, for what? Like, why, why did I break my neck? Like, am I going to take that experience and let that be the end of the line. Like I broke my neck because I like, this is what I want to do. And this is all I've ever really wanted to do. And I, I, when I started accepted that that's a possibility. Uh, so now moving forward from that, I, I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. And I have just tried to make that worth it 
you know, I went through this really, really terrible thing, but like, if, if I give up now, what would it have all been for? Sure. So when you, you have it in your mind now that you're going to go back, you're going to, you know, this is the thing you love and you're going to do it. That first match and that first uh, bump to like your, the back of your neck or your head, whatever, when you take a suplex, whatever it is, um, is that, was that the moment where you're like, okay, like I'm good. I can go for what was there trepidation uh, or nervousness before, before that first bump? Oh man. Yeah. I, I, okay. So memory unlocked. I did not even remember this. I remember like the first couple months of training and being back in my matches, like the whole time I was like, I'm not good at this anymore. Like there was a lot of mental um, uh, doubt that I had, not in just will my body be okay through this, but like spiritually and like, will I be able to handle this? And my mom would make jokes where she's like, maybe I don't even have to like convince you to quit. You'll just walk out there and your opponent will walk to the ring and you'll scream and run away. <laughs> like she thinks that's the funniest thing, like that imagery. And I was like, nah, you know, once, once, once the music hits, I'm usually pretty good. But then I'd come back and I'd be like, oh, that wasn't good. Like that, this isn't what I came back for. Um, and I, I did have like a really big mental block, not with doing the motions, but like I uh, wouldn't commit, I think, to everything I did. And even though I told myself, I was like, I'm going to wrestle safer. I'm going to not do all this crazy stuff anymore, which very much I should remember and try to get back to. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it just... I, like a, a spark was definitely missing. And then one day in training, I was, again, this is a couple months after me being back to like doing shows and everything. One day in training, I went to do this like resorte over the ropes and, um, you know, just like kind of jump and land back on my feet after flipping in. And I had done it a few times and then, like, the next week, I was like, this is a skill I like, so I'm going to keep trying to practice it so I can pull it out whenever I want. And I had, like, messed up and, like, just head first dove into the mat. Ooh. And everyone in the room was, like, uncomfortably silent. And my trainer was like, that was violent. <laughs> I was like, I'm okay, everybody. Great news. My neck still works. I'm fine. And, like, <laughs> as terrible as it was that, like, I had to, like, land head first, like, I think it was like, okay, I'm okay. Like, I will be all right. I won't ever do that move again, but I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that had to happen for you to, for you to have that confidence, I guess. Going. Yeah, forward. exactly. Yeah, I can, I can be okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking your freaking neck as Kurt Angle. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> of course, it's a great story. You can always tell now. I broke my freaking neck. Yeah. Now that it's behind me, I'm like, oh, I'm such a badass. But like, exactly. Time I was like, ha, 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 nervous laughter 24-7. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about your shoot job, right? You, you said yeah. you were a piercer. Yes. So I, um, I'm asking this for specific reason. As I mentioned to you, I have two daughters. Okay. One of them 16. Um, how old were you when you got your first piercing and what was your parents' reaction to that? So I am, I have a very close relationship with my parents. So I was, I would never be the kind of kid who would like go behind my parents' back and try to do something. Right. Um, 
one, I like respect them too much to do that. And two, they would find out anyway, and I would get in that much more trouble. So, um, I had tried really hard to convince my mom to let me get a nostril piercing when I was 14. And, uh, I got a lot of no's and much like wrestling in wrestling, you, you get a lot of no's, but you got to keep going until you get that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so um, I was just like, mom, please. And eventually I convinced my aunt to be like, Oh, it's not that bad. Just let her do it. And so my aunt helped convince my mom. I got my nose pierced. Um, but after that, I really didn't get a lot of piercings because she was like, you already have your nose pierced. She, for some reason, didn't really like, other ear piercings aside from like your earlobes yeah. so i i didn't start really getting pierced again until i became a piercer okay yeah but 14 14 was when i got my nose pierced okay yeah so my my 16 year old daughter got her septum the septum yes. yeah. i got one of those <laughs> yeah um when she was i guess 15 maybe i don't know mm -hmm. I was, see, it's like as a parent, you want to be like the cool parent, but you also want to be responsible. And it's like that fine line. I'm like, well, I want her to um, express herself. And if this is how she wants to express herself, I'm all for it. Uh, but driving her to the tattoo and piercing parlor, uh, you know, and watching it get, I don't know, there's just something weird about seeing your, you know, it's like, I remember her, you know, I held her when she was a baby, you know, and now here she is getting things shot through her nose. So, yeah. I don't know. That was tough. But so here, here's the next thing. I know you have, uh, you have several tattoos as well. Um, yes. So my daughter, as I said, she's 16. She wants a tattoo. We said, no, the piercing's one thing, but no tattoo till you're 18 because, you know, it's, it's permanent and you might not, you might love it now, but you might not like it later, whatever. So she's made me agree um, when she's 18. We're both Tauruses, right? We're both born in May. Mm -hmm. She wants me to get a Taurus tattoo and her to get the same one. So we'll have like father, daughter matching tattoos, which sounds so cool to me, except I've made it through my entire life without getting a tattoo. And I'm yes. scared. Willow. So I'm exciting. Scared. I'm scared. Tell me. That's why okay. Should I, why should I not be? Tell me that it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm the worst person actually to ask <laughs> about this because I hate getting tattooed. Oh, great. <laughs> and like, um, if so, okay, here's some advice. Um, just breathe through it because uh -huh. the more you fight it, the worse it gets. Um, but if you could just kind of like find some Zen space in your head, you'll make it through the first couple minutes are the worst. And then your body kind of adjusts to it and is like, mm -hmm. okay, I guess we're just getting stabbed with needle. Now we can do this. And then you'll just kind of like chill into it. Um, but yeah, I think especially because I'm in a position where I'm getting tattooed mostly by my coworkers and, you know, and friends, I'm allowed to make a fool of myself. You know, it's not like I'm going into an establishment where I'm, I'm just a customer. It's like, I'm allowed to be a brat. <laughs> so I'm like, I hate this. Don't tattoo me. It hurts, but it's going to look so cool. Like, <laughs> I just, I'm the worst. Done. I can picture my daughter like being fine. And me like crying because of, <laughs> I, I don't know. We're, we'll see. I still I'll got tell you, I've seen that. I've seen like the most like muscled up, like giant dudes come in and they get their tattoos and they're like, oh, bro, 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 take it easy. That hurts, bro, bro. <laughs> well, I've done a little research and I've been told like there are certain areas that are better, you know, than others. So I'm going to get like my, uh, 
like bicep. I've told that's a good area yes. as far as like the pain tolerance things like that won't hurt that much. Yeah. That'll probably be like the easiest tattoo. Well, that's what I'm, I'm, yeah. going, I'm going for easy. Well, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks for that advice. I don't, I don't know if you really helped me or. I know. I'm like, Just breathe through it. You'll be fine. <laughs> if you really want to use numbing cream, they exist. They're out there. You can use it. You don't have to prove to anybody you're a tough guy. Use but, the numbing but, cream. Does that work? I know about it. Does it really work? The numbing cream? Um, so I've only ever used it once and it was for the tattoo that I have on my knee and I feel like it helped, uh, a lot. Like I still felt it a little bit, but it, I don't think it was like as bad. Okay. Well, um, I'm not proud. I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to go for the cream. <laughs> I exactly. Be- I was like, why? I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Right. Exactly. Who, who are you trying to impress? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that. All right. Well, we're going <laughs> to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to play 10 questions with Willow. Let's roll, America. Roll up your sleeves to give blood. You can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day. Ring of Honor Wrestling has once again teamed up with American Red Cross for Sinclair Cares Roll Up Your Sleeves. Make an appointment today to donate blood. Your donation will help save lives and impact countless more. Go to SinclairCares.com to schedule your appointment now all right back on the roh strong podcast we're having an outstanding conversation with willow we've talked about so much good stuff here broken necks and knee surgeries and piercings and all kinds of fun stuff but now we're going to play a little game we like to call 10 questions willow are you ready i suppose i am And it is now time for 10 Questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What's something on your bucket list? And this could be oh. your, your life bucket list or wrestling, whatever you choose. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is something I already addressed, and that was that I want to wrestle in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, got want to do that, got to do that. Okay. All right, question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? Hmm. Um, history. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, history was like my least favorite subject when I was in school because it was like a lot of reading. And I don't feel like the curriculum necessarily um, piqued my interest. But when we're talking about subjects that I like, or take a certain light, you know, interest to, I like want to know everything and like deep dive into the history. So I wish I was more, uh, I paid more attention in school to history. Yeah, I, I feel that same way. I wish I would have paid more attention. If only I knew then, you know, that it would benefit me later. But I guess, you know, <laughs> a lot of us are stupid when we're young. <laughs> Question number three, if you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, wow. This is... This is a deep one. Uh, the, yeah. Oh, man. I don't I don't know. Um, hmm. Maybe I, I have... Maybe, hey, okay, I know. I want to talk to Haley Williams, lead singer Paramore. I'm a huge fan, have been a huge fan for so long. And uh, 
as a musician, obviously, uh, she's written a lot about her life into songs, and those songs have spoken to me. So to be able to have a, a, a conversation and be like, well, this meant so much to me because of this, and like just get to hear where her brain was when she was writing those, and that would, that would be really cool. That would be really cool to me. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, always cool to meet. Um, I, I've been very lucky. I've been able to meet some of my uh, musical heroes and, uh, you know, and, and actually interview them. So, yeah, that's um, I definitely see where you're coming from on that one. All right. Question number four. Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something you're good at that uh, maybe we don't know about or that would surprise people? So this one's pretty gross, um, but I can belch very loudly <laughs> and and on command usually. Um, I, IWTV or like indie wrestling TV, independent wrestling TV, they did like a quote talent show uh, during the COVID lockdown. And they had a bunch of wrestlers like send in like clips of their talents. And there's like a whole burping montage that I do on the talent show. So if you're interested, <laughs> you can check it out. Oh, well, I mean, not only am I interested, but I, I, could could we possibly get a demonstration right now? <laughs> oh, God, that was like a weird one because I was like, oh, I'm nervous. Oh, I'm cold on the spot. But it was like a little and then like a little. <laughs> I mean, can you do tricks? Can you do like the alphabet? Hi, Kevin. <laughs> I tried to say hi, Kevin. I don't know if it came across very well. I'm I got nervous. it. I got it. That's outstanding. Let me tell you, I didn't, who was, who was the uh, promotion that had this talent contest? Um, IWTV, Independent Wrestling TV. So oh, it's like yes, yes. a streaming platform that has a bunch of right. uh, wrestlers on it. But when I was in like second grade, they, like my nickname was like Godzilla because I used to win all the belching competitions. <laughs> oh, now I got like a burp sitting in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Well, I'll tell you, the, the talent thing, I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I have pitched the idea that like uh, we do a ROH has got talent types. Type yeah, show. that would be cool. Uh, yeah, because, you know, we've got people who sing and, you know, all different things. And so now I'm going to jot you down. Willow belching is your. Yeah, I, I like I can play instruments, too, but that just doesn't seem as exciting as belching. <laughs> oh, definitely. And, and, yeah, everybody can play an instrument. That's not. As <laughs> as all right. That's that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, demonstration as well. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Question number five, have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in the existence of the paranormal? I absolutely believe in it. I personally haven't had any experiences though. Um, I think my mother and my sister are a lot more sensitive to those things, but um, I don't seem to be. Um, but yeah, my mom like sees things and hears things all the time my little sister does too uh i'm a very big fan of this podcast call and that's why we drink and they talk about like paranormal experiences in there like i i would i i would like to say i've had the experience of meeting a ghost but i think i would be way too afraid like i don't think i actually want to do it but i want to like toy with the possibility of it happening yeah i think i'm the same way yeah, like go on a ghost tour and be like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll see something. But like, please, I don't actually want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number six. What show are you currently binge watching or binge watched recently? Um, Shameless. Mm -hmm. I am very behind on it. 
Uh, I just started watching it a couple months ago. Uh, and that is what I'm trying to get through. <laughs> I'm like in like season five. And okay. I think they're like on the last season in like in real time right now. Um, but yeah, just That's great the chaos of that. Well, that's the great thing about you, you watch it on your own pace. You know, you don't have to you don't have to catch. It's not like the old days, right? When if you, yeah. missed it, if you missed it. I mean, back when I grew up, you had to watch your, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't in front of the TV at eight o'clock on Tuesday night, I missed happy days. And that's just the way it was. Tough luck. Tough luck. <laughs> yeah. Google happy days, kids. The Fonz. <laughs> Willow, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. I know, I know what Happy Days is. I know of it. I've never actually watched it, but I I've, I know. <laughs> okay, you know. All right, Fonzie. He's, he's he was he was cool. All right. The bar, uh, the leather jacket, the hair. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Sit on it, possibly. That was that was a big catchphrase back then. <laughs> All right. Question number seven. Uh, if your boyfriend's in the room, tell him he might want to leave for this one. Uh, who who is your celebrity crush? Oh my god. Um, Jason Momoa is the first person that comes to mind, but he is probably not even my biggest celebrity crush. I have, I, I have such an appreciation for beautiful people. <laughs> but I'll go with Jason Momoa right now. Well, that, that's, that's tough to beat Jason Momoa. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number eight. Are you much of a cook? And if you are, what is your specialty dish? No, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not. Mm. I uh, am a vegetarian. I have been since I was five. So I do have a lot of experience with cooking uh, and cooking for myself. Because usually uh, for like family parties or whatever, I have to bring my own dish. Um, but it's not something that I really like enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. It's just something I do because I have to. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I much more prefer eating uh, than cooking. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thing. Somebody else will cook it, and I'll, I'll eat it. So we each do our we each do our part. All right. Yeah. Question number so I, nine. Wait, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> Question number nine. What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? I mean, again, I'm a vegetarian, so, like, meat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't... It doesn't seem... Like, I don't feel like I'm missing it from my life. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't I don't want to be eating animal flesh. Yeah, well... Yeah, it doesn't seem my... appealing. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I'll go back to my... This podcast has been as much about my 16-year-old daughter as, as, as wrestling. But <laughs> she also is a, is, is a vegetarian. Yes. So. Right on! Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, we, you know, no more trips to Burger King because she can't get anything there. So there's so many places now we can't go out to eat to because there's nothing for her to eat. So, You know, I just went to Buffalo Wild Wings last night and they have cauliflower wings now. So there's a place y'all really? can go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, she will go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get the salad because they do have a salad with no uh, chicken in it. So Yeah, they've actually, like, they their menu looked pretty vegetarian friendly. So... Yeah. For a place that's called Wild Wings, I would, I would recommend it. <laughs> All right, question number ten. We've come to our final question. What's the best advice you've been given about pro wrestling, and who gave it to you, if you recall? Um, I guess 
the advice that I got that was like, if people see you having fun, um, they will also have fun because it's really leaked its way into so many aspects of who I am. Um, not even just as a performer, but like as a person interacting with other people um, and just always kind of trying to help people through the hard times in their life, right? We're, we're all, we all struggle. And like, if there's anything I could do to just kind of help brighten your day or like make you have a little fun, that's cool. So it's just great advice all around, but especially as a performer. And that advice was given to me from Blake Morris, who uh, was someone who had a big hand in helping train me when I first started. Okay. Well, that is outstanding advice. And that is, uh, like you said, that's good advice for uh, anyone in general, not just about the pro wrestling business, but anyone, you know, any, any avenue that you may be uh, pursuing. Well, Willow, before we wrap up, uh, can you tell people where they can follow you on social media? Yes, I absolutely can. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Willow Wrestles, W-I-L-L-O-W-W-R-E-S-T-L-E-S. And I'm thinking about starting a Twitch channel where I will watch wrestling and talk about it. So, so be on the lookout for that, maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah, keep us uh, posted on that for sure. Um, that Twitch, that's the thing where people like play video games and stuff, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, know, I know I'm showing my age here, but like, isn't that mainly kind of like what Yeah, it is? that's like the um, intent, like the original purpose for it. So that's one thing that I consider doing is like, I actually don't really play video games. I play Animal Crossing and that's about it. So one idea was like, oh, I play video games with my boyfriend and I'm really bad at it. And he explains it to me or I watch wrestling uh, and commentate on it or have my little sister watch it with me. And she doesn't really watch wrestling. So I think it would be entertaining to get her opinion on it. But maybe some people tuning in can help me figure it out and we'll figure out what my thing is. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Just like, here's a segue. Just like I'm looking forward to whoever you face down the line, the winner of the triple threat match between Trisha Dora, Allison Kay, and Mandy Leon. One of those three women will be facing you on a future episode of Ring of Honor TV. And the winner of that match goes on to final battle December 11th on pay-per-view in Baltimore to wrestle Roxy for the Women's World Championship of Ring of Honor. So good luck to you in that uh, future match. And good luck to you just in general. Thank you. And thanks so much for joining me. I really, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. This is the first time I've really gotten to, to speak with you. And, uh, you know, hopefully maybe we'll do this again and, and uh, definitely see you somewhere down the line at one of these shows. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels, at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong. Today.